Hello everyone, this is episode 8 of Pat's Interference. It is Wednesday, October 20th, and it is Tennessee Week. On this episode, we talk about the big win over Texas A&M, why I am calling Jake Coker Mad Max, and I tell you a story from my childhood, all along with so much more. This is Pat's Interference. How's it going, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning in to episode 8 of Pat's Interference. As you may know, I am Patrick Norwood. And hello, everyone. I'm Patrick Brickman. And this is episode 8. Like I said, it is Tennessee week. Man, I hate Tennessee. Hate Tennessee, but that's okay. They dirty. They dirty. They some snitches. If you don't know what we're talking about, I'm sorry. We probably sound... We, we probably sound like idiots right now, but whatever. That's I mean, that's your problem, not Everybody mine. knows what we're talking if about. If you haven't seen that video, then it's on you. It's not on us. Uh, big win against Texas A&M. Going to get around the NCAA a little bit. Patrick, let's get right into it. Oh, a uh, little, little note off the top, actually. Uh, Patrick and I were just talking what we might start doing. Uh, what we're definitely going to do in the Alabama offseason is expand this and talk about all sports, not just NCAA, you know, not just NFL. We're going to talk about all sports in the offseason. Um, but what we might do from time to time is just do these little things that we've decided to call bonus podcast. Patrick, tell us what a bonus podcast might entail. Well, you know me, I always have to be talking about sports and I'm follow the NBA, the NFL, all that stuff very closely. And so if either the two of us or the two of us together ever kind of get an itch to get some off our backs and we want to do a little quick 10, 20, 30 minute podcast, we'll just come out with them. I know the NBA season is yeah. coming up, so I'll probably make one about that pretty soon. Yeah. Uh, the 2015, 2016 golf season just started PGA tour. That's what I'm so, talking uh, about. You know, we'll be gearing up for the masters here in a bit. For those of you that don't know, I, I, I do work at the golf channel. So that's why if I've talked about golf before and you're like, wow, this kid really knows this golf. I, I just work there. Uh, I love it. I love it. So I may, I might, I might tee off for a golf pun. Okay. Forget it. Let's get into <laughs> it. Initial thoughts of the game on Saturday, Patrick, what did you like? What did you dislike? Get into it. Without me looking into anything or looking at stats, my initial thoughts of the game were uh, all in all, if I look at it, it's all four quarters and just on the outside, I was very happy with what I saw on the field. Um, the team played hard. They went out. They went into, obviously, uh, a very intense environment. We were actually lower ranked than them. They were still undefeated, and we just kind of we kind of spoiled their game. I have no problem with that. So uh, there was some stuff here and there, obviously, that we're going to elaborate on, but I'm very happy with the game. That's that's my initial thought yeah, if yeah. I don't really think about what happened. Yeah, my initial thoughts, I don't know. I at first, you know, as soon as the game ended, I was like, man, I was I'm I'm really bummed out we started giving that away. You know, I was really bummed out that we were letting them hang in and stuff and you know, I really didn't uh, towards the th- third quarter I was thinking like, oh man, if we if this is one of those games where I at the end of the day I'm saying, well, Alabama beat themselves, Alabama beat themselves, I'm going to be pretty mad. But this is not 2014. A&M was going to get theirs. Right, right. Well, and it wasn't 2014, and I think, in my opinion, it's the second or third third hardest place to play in the SEC. Uh, you know, it's Kyle Field is so big; they have such a huge following, and their crowd is always at such a, a loud. I mean, just the entire game on Saturday, it just felt like they were in it. Um, it, it got pretty quiet after the second pick six, uh, but you know, I, I just I was. I'm kind of impressed. I, I really am because it's it's a tough place to play, and it would be really easy to get distracted by looking ahead at the rest of the season or getting down on yourself after you know what happened at the beginning of the season. And Patrick, I 
I've made it no secret, and I will make it no secret. I was kind of worried about this game at the beginning of the season um, because Texas A&M had a lot of hype. Uh, like you said, they were undefeated when we went into it. They've got the new renovations on Kyle Field, and we set the tone early, and yeah, we let them get back into it a little bit, but uh, we definitely closed it out, and that was something that I was happy to see. Yeah, um, absolutely, absolutely. So, I mean, it's always good to get a win against a, a top-10 SEC team, and I've absolutely. seen people talking, you know, nitpicking here and there and saying that, you know, we wouldn't have scored as many. We would have lost had there not been three pick sixes. But I think that's kind of a juvenile way to but look that, at it. That's I mean, if they, of yeah, course, like, but we exactly. still got those interceptions. Even if they hadn't gone to – it would not have – people just want to nitpick. Dude, yeah. our defense just got three pick sixes and we just won by yeah. 20. It's, well, you know, yeah. That's like that's like me saying like, oh, well, we would have won the baseball game by two runs had you not hit the three-run home run. Yeah, like, exactly. What, where's the logic in that? It just – it doesn't – I don't, and I get that it's offense and defense, and you know their defensive touchdowns, but that's just more impressive to me. Exactly. That's not that's not a knock against our team. That's more impressive, and I think that our defensive points dictated our offense. You know, I do think there were times in the game where had we not had those defensive touchdowns, and the game might have been a little bit closer, we may have stuck with our pound ground and pound strategy a little bit. But you know, I I don't know. Uh, let's let's get into that ground and pound a little bit, Patrick. Derrick Henry with a career high 236 yards. Uh, there was a mention on a sideline report of him having a stinger uh, somewhere in the middle of his back. It didn't really seem to nah, bug him. I mean, he came right much. back in. He came right back. Yeah, in. yeah, right. Uh, obviously, Ryan Kelly exiting made a huge difference. I, I kind of, I feel like that's one thing we learned from Saturday is how big of a piece to this puzzle that Ryan Kelly is. Um, but Patrick, you you kind of found an interesting note. Go go into this. I'm reading this right now. I'm I'm what are you? Am I reading this right? Go he's ahead and tell me. He's having a great year. Uh, Derrick Henry's having a great year, and not everybody realizes the career at Alabama he's having. Again, he said 236 yards. That was a career high. He actually had, a, had already had his career high by the time the first half ended. He had 170-something, I want to say, in the first half, and that was already a career high. Um, it's just fun to note that he is 129 yards behind Eddie Lacy in all-time yardage. So with a 130-yard game, against Tennessee, there you go, Derrick Henry moves past Eddie Lacy in that list. Um, he's also actually, I want to say, we're okay, so we've we played, what, five, six, seven games uh, halfway through the season. He's only 76 yards behind all of T.J. Yeldon last year. People are forgetting that we're relying on him as much as we used to with uh, Mark Ingram back in 2009. I mean, he's... Well, and here you and I sit, sit and text each other every Saturday talking about how we need to give him the ball more. You know, I mean, it's just... That, that's the interesting thing to me. Is that was one still... of my snap things about the game is I was angry that we started throwing the ball more, but then I went back and looked at it. He did have 32 carries. Yeah, he had plenty of carries. We and, ran the know, ball 45 times, and we only, we were, we only we passed were... it 25. So Right, <laughs> and if we were good at this podcast, we would have some statistic about when Derrick Henry gets the ball 25 or more times, but I'm not good at this podcast yet. We've only been doing this eight <laughs> times now. So, uh, you know, I'll hopefully get that next week after we're talking about beating uh, that other school. Um, let's let's talk a little bit, Patrick, the execution during the game. Um, some broken plays, not too many route miscues like we've seen in the past uh, this season from the receivers or quarterbacks and receivers not being on the same page. Um, but some, some execution issues, especially on the offensive line, I know that yeah, those Ryan really Kelly. those really sprung up when Kelly went out. Uh, there right, were, there were right. a couple miscues, missed assignments on the offensive line that make plays look sure really bad. Sure, and I I also realized a little bit uh, 
how badly we rely on wide receiver blocking as well. Um, you know, and I, I think that that was something that also sort of had a miscue because it wasn't any secret that Derrick Henry was going to get into that second level during the first, you know, during the second half of the first quarter of the game. I mean, he was blowing past people like it was nothing. Um, and honestly, I thought it was going to be not another 59 nothing, but I genuinely thought we were about to win the game by 40 or more points. I really did. Um, I just, I didn't see them stopping Derrick Henry and I didn't see us throwing the ball as much as we did. Uh, you and I kind of joked about it and put it on Facebook. I was not pleased with how much we threw the ball. Uh, it was I, one just... little window of the game. It's almost like that Kiffin feels like he needs to flex his throwing game's muscles even when it doesn't need to happen. And we step yeah. away from what is working and working and working for four straight drives. Yeah. And then he just wants to completely flip the script and like, okay, sure, they might think we're going to come at him and run again, but – they have the last three drives too. I mean, I don't know. Do we really need to flex those muscles? Well, and I, you know, I get throwing there the ball. To, to yeah, keep... there needs to be a healthy balance. But yeah, right. And I get it to keep the defense on their toes and everything. And my old roommate from college, uh, Tyler, if you're listening, I know you are. But you know, thanks for keeping me calm during all those years. But he makes fun of me and he calls me Patrick. Run the damn ball, Norwood. Because every single game that I've ever watched at Alabama, we could run the ball 40 times, and I, I would be mad that we didn't run it 41. Um, I like old school football. I like running the ball. I think Alabama's the best in the nation at it. But I, I, I also, I think if I coached that football team, they would, they would not be doing as well as they are right now because I don't understand the concept of that healthy balance. I mean, I understand it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to, you know, do it I think... because. I think when problem... I look down and I see that a running back has 15 and a half yards of carry, I'm going to keep feeding it to him until he takes us three and out one series. Yeah, I agree with you. I think one of the problems is we look at a drive, maybe a drive that ends abruptly, either a three and out or maybe on the that second uh, down, whatever you want to call it. I mean, because what we see is a lot of like, I'm remembering one drive and it just seems like we get a, a couple of these per game. We'll get first down and 10. We'll get a throw deep incomplete. Second down and 10, I feel like they know that's when the run comes. So we run either a little cutesy or right up the middle for two yards, uh, two or yeah. three yards. And now we're looking at a third and seven, third and six, third and eight. And we throw to a route that's short of the first down marker. We see a lot of that. And then it just looks like we're throwing too much when really if we throw to the first down marker, it's I mean, it, I don't know. It just why didn't we run on that first down? And then why do we settle for yeah. throwing short of the first down marker when we have a dude that's running seven yards a carry? Why right. didn't we run it? You know, it's, it just seems inconsistent. And that's something that's a, the word we used all week last week during episode seven. It's yeah. just, it's inconsistent. And I'm just, I'm tired of the inconsistency and I'm worried that one day it's going to lose us a game. We should win. I was do I going think that's to going to happen the next week? On Saturday, no, but, but I yeah. backed off. Well, welcome to me every week. And usually you're pretty good about, you can't do this. You can't be mad at Kiffin because I have to be. <laughs> do you realize how this works? You have to be the one that's like, no, Patrick, we shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. But uh, a guy that Im impressed me, Jake Coker, 19 for 25, 138 yards, no touchdowns. Very that's efficient. Very efficient. But the plays that impressed me are the plays where he's getting outside the pocket, broken play, and he's like, all right, screw it. I'm not getting any younger. Let's do this putting his shoulder down, popping a couple of, not defensive backs, linebackers, taking a couple more shots on the sideline, and then reaching across to get another yard. Yep. Four-yard play. 
It made it second and six, and I think we punted uh, after three and out that drive. Maybe I'm wrong. But his but, scramble, he's showing he's showing that he can run. I like that because I knew that and, I follow FSU closely, and I've, I've been waiting to see that a little bit from him because I remember yeah. uh, following FSU and people talked about how Coker was probably actually the better runner between him and Winston when they were in the race, or they were neck and neck as far as running goes. Because everybody sure. thought coming in, Winston was a dual threat, which he really wasn't in a sense. He's just kind of hard to bring down. Um, so I knew that he could run. I knew he had wheels. I'm glad that he's kind of showing them and doing it when he can. I know he's not sure. exactly a dual threat, but you got to respect it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, let's move on to the other side of the ball a little bit. Um, you know, we've, we've harped on this, and everyone who listens is probably so sick of us talking about these two players. Uh, Patrick, I want you to get into uh, Marlon Humphrey and Minka Fitzpatrick. Uh, go ahead and talk about their performance, and I'm gonna I'm gonna pop in with something about uh, who was it that had the uh, it it was it was Minka Fitzpatrick right yeah. I get them mixed up it was Minka Fitzpatrick yes. yeah okay Mink um, had the two interceptions that went for touchdowns he actually has as many touchdowns as Calvin Ridley on the year funny enough dang it you took my stat <laughs> why you always do this to me I have a stat I swear I swear I have a stat and I'm like oh he's never gonna know this one. And then you're just like, oh, he has as many touchdowns as Calvin Ridley. That's not fair, man. It's because, we, ahead, both, it's because it. we both browse Twitter and Reddit, and that's that's what you now, need. <laughs> now that you've taken my steam, go ahead and just talk about how great Minka Fitzpatrick is. He's great. I said this last week, and I feel really smart about it. I said, and I quote, he's going to go down as one of the Alabama greats. I'm quoting myself there. <laughs> I'm great, aren't I? Um, <laughs> he's just – He's a playmaker. A um, yeah. We put him in the nickel corner. He's been playing a lot of nickel corner, which gives him some freelance opportunity. And I, that's what he's excelling at. I'm almost hesitant to put him at anywhere other than nickel because he's these freelance plays that he's having where it breaks down and he just kind of makes a play and takes it away. Dude, he, he's getting sacks. I mean, he's getting sacks this year. He's getting interceptions. He's getting pass breakups. Alabama is number one in pass breakups this year. The number one. In, I'm going to yeah. throw a lot of stats at you guys in a little Look bit here you. once I pull them up. But we are yeah. number one in pass breakups. We're number one in punts, and he's a lot of the reason for that. Obviously, the first Alabama player ever to take two back to the house on defense like that, interception returns, very impressive. Right. Even more so when you think of him as a freshman, freshman player of the week. He's going to be a freshman All-American. That's all fine and good. I just like the energy that he's bringing to the defense and the swagger and the playmaking. And I, it's a, It sounds like a cliche, but you need that. You need the guy that can go out there, yeah. and he's not necessarily a leader of the defense yet, but people are looking at him. How is Minka responding to what just happened? I know and that I happens think, on the field. You know, and obviously every week I try and talk about Cyrus Jones and Eddie Jackson. You know, I mentioned the first episode, if Eddie Jackson gets a game where he can get some confidence in, he's going to be a big player. And he... Uh, both of them now Cyrus Jones had a little bit of a tough game but that was more special teams we're going to get into that in a second but Eddie Jackson had a whale of a game on Saturday man and not just and he's had a he's had a great season I don't know how you can't What does he have five interceptions? In, he's got five interceptions, two touchdowns. I don't know how you can keep him out of the all SEC discussion right now. Uh I I'm not saying anyone has it's just if I'm a voter and I'm someone who makes that decision I don't know how you can keep him out. Eddie Jackson is a stud, man. He's a stud. His post-game interview, he sounded uh, really enthusiastic about his play. He sounds very confident. And, you know, if I'm an SEC offense that's pass-heavy, I'm looking at Cyrus Jones and Eddie Jackson and Reggie Ragland even, and I'm saying, oh, good Lord. 
So, okay, let's say you pick up the blitz where Reggie Ragland's about to kill you. Okay, well, that's great. Now I've got to pass it in zone coverage against these two fast safeties. They may be a little bit smaller, but they're fast. They're ball hawks, man. And these absolute speed demons at uh, a defensive back. These freshmen, freshmen are coming in, breaking up passes. And a guy that we're not talking about enough, Gino Matias Smith now. Uh, formerly Geno Smith. I still don't really know the story there. Uh, but that's, you know, I, I, I heard a rumor, but I don't want to say it on, you know, on here because I don't know if it's right. But it doesn't matter. Geno Motia Smith playing a great season too. He's had, I think he's had a majority of the big pass up, pass breakups on third down this season. He's had a um, lot. He's had a lot for sure. And I don't want his name to slip through the cracks at all. But I feel more confident, Patrick, in this defensive backfield than I have in any uh, probably since 2009, and what a 180, what a 180 maybe? from last year. Well, we were just right. I mean, we still had Landon Collins, and we were scared. I, our defensive backfield could not play the deep pass. Couldn't really play much of the pass last year, except for those uh, middle routes that teams never run against us because we always stop it. Let me tell you a, a couple of these stats here that I mentioned that just kind of show. You got to remember, we have a young defense. And they're being called the best in the country. I already said that they're leading the nation in pass breakups uh, and punts force. They're also leading in rushing first downs allowed. They're second in rushing attempts allowed. Second in defensive touchdowns scored. Third in rushing defense. Fourth in yards per rush. Sixth in first downs. Seventh in yards pass attempt allowed. I mean, it's insane. Pass efficiency, ninth. They're 18th in turnovers. Top 20 still in yards allowed. Touchdowns allowed. Sacks all that kind of stuff. I mean, this is And if you ask any writer in the nation right now where they think Alabama is going to be at the end of the season, I'm going to say that maybe 10% of them are saying that they'll be in the college football playoff. Oh, we're going to get into that later. I called into a radio show yesterday and, and talked a little bit with uh, somebody on CBS. I was driving back from Mobile and when I can't talk to anybody and it's night, I just kind of search my radio for uh, radio shows and then call in because it's fun. So I talk, I called uh, CBS yesterday and we had a little discussion about that and his perception of Alabama as a national radio person is kind of interesting. So we'll get into that later on. Um, another thing that, that we need to talk about, because uh, there's that lull in the game where A&M really kind of started coming back kind of towards right. halftime and it lingered into the third quarter. A lot of that was because of what was happening on special teams. I mean, there were some huge plays that happened punt. there. I mean, four big plays right. in the game. They were all special teams. And block punt, Cyrus those. Muffs. Uh, the Well, the punt return touchdown. The thing that really bothered me was Damian Harris's uh, miscue at the one on the kick return. Because it was just like, what are you – where do you <laughs> – what were you thinking? What was going through your head? The ball was going to go out of bounds. He panicked. You touched it, ran back behind the goal line, ran back over – and got tackled at what the eight nine yard line? He panicked. That's all you he can did. say. He panicked as he, bad as the Michigan punter. He did, and I, I, you know, I've talked about this before on this podcast. And Patrick, you know me. I don't like being a guy that's saying, "Oh, he shouldn't have a job. Fire this coach. Fire this coach. Fire that coach." Patrick, Bobby Williams has been the special teams coach at Alabama for a long time since, since Saban has been there. He came with Saban. He's a good, he's a good buddy of. Yeah, good buddy of Saban's. Um, 2007, he was on his staff. Saban brought him with him. But, you know, and I, someone convinced me a couple of weeks ago that I was being hard on him. And they said, you know, how? okay, he's a special teams coach, sure. 
but how much can you really blame on the coach? You know, think of all of Alabama's special teams miscues. That's a, it's a Bama six. stereotype since Saban's been here. We've, they've right. been calling it an Achilles heel since probably 2010. Well, what I was going to say so is can't... that someone someone had convinced me, you know, a lot of it is the individual players. Just think about it that way. It's not, you know, it's not anything like that. But now I'm just, I, I don't know, Patrick. And it's, I almost feel like Saban knows he has to do it, but doesn't want to because it's someone that's been with him for a long time, you know. And I just, it, it bothers me. Well, it it bothers works. me to my core that he's still on the staff because it should be your job as a head coach to sit there and say, I need to do what I need to do to make this team better and make this team to put them in a position to win. Well, Saban's and, always covered for him. He's always kind of downplayed special teams. Yeah. It just, it bothers me to my core. It, it really, really does. Um, you've put on this docket, how does Bobby Williams still have a job? To answer your question, I don't know. I don't know because it's just, simple things that you tell guys before they run out on the field. Hey, this is a long field goal. They can return it if you kick it short. Okay, and you got to think, well, let's go back over those plays in the game that really led to a lot of the momentum swings, starting with the Christian Kirk return for a touchdown. Sure, okay, that kind of sticks out. But then you also had Cyrus losing the ball on the punt. Fine, these are the players, but it just it keeps happening. And the blocked punt, sure, it's the players, but it's and – then, and then Damian Harris. It's a coaching thing. I think it always reflects back to the coach and the urgency put on special teams. I don't know that the urgency started, and I'm even talking about Saban here, how I just said he downplays it. I don't know that the urgency is placed on special teams the way it needs to be. I know most teams in the country, and I'm sure Alabama does this too, before they even take the field on offense or defense or start running drills, the special teams are out on the field and the coaches are with them when there's preaching special teams, win, lose games, you got to be out there, you got to be sharp. I don't see a sharpness, and that goes back to the coach because when it it's lingers around your team the yeah. way it has Alabama since 2011 is really where I'm going to put it when we missed all those field goals against LSU. That yeah, is when the stereotype started, it. and it's lingered now for five years. There's a problem from the coaching down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I don't even know what else I can say about it. It's, well, let's move it's on. Frust- then. <laughs> it's frustrating. Well, no, it's, it's just – it's frustrating. Do I see it changing? No, no. I don't. Because he's always um, covered for him. He's going to keep covering for him just the way he covered for Adam Griffith and back to uh, Kate Foster when Kate Foster was struggling and downplaying oh. every little thing that happens. Oof. Maybe our next Kate kicker Foster. will only make 30%. We'll see if he can keep covering for him. Yeah. Let's just start going for it on fourth down. <laughs> we hated 70%. Now we're down to 50. We're still covering for him. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, well, his back's hurt. Anyway. Uh, I don't care. Moving on I don't from care Texas anymore. A&M. It's fine. We it's, won Saturday. Why do I care? Let's think about Tennessee Hate Week a little bit. I mean, it's Tennessee Week, guys. Oh, let's. It's Tennessee oh, Week. Oh, let's. I've, Patrick, let me tell you a story. You know this story. Never mind. Definitely. I'm not going to tell this story. I really don't like Tennessee. <laughs> I genuinely, and I'm going to say this, and this is going to make a lot of our well, listeners Well, tell everyone angry. where you grew up. I Well, no, I, I said that a couple episodes ago, but I grew up in Tennessee in a time when Tennessee used to just kick the crap out of Alabama most of the years. Not Not all the time. They didn't string off a lot in a row. Well, yeah, actually, I think they strung off about five or six in a row when I was a kid. I got, I got, you know, and I'm not trying to say woe is me, but, you know, I did get picked on because I was an Alabama kid, and we weren't that good. There was years we lost to, I think one year we lost to Vanderbilt. I mean, it, it was bad. It was really, really bad. But I have a really, really dark place in my heart where 
I can respect our other rivals. LSU I respect the crap out of because they're good, and every year they play it, they give us our best game every year, in my opinion. Uh, I can even, to a degree, I can respect Auburn just because they do things in college football that are sort of unexplainable. And we can call it Auburn luck. We can call it the hurry-up offense. We can call it a sweater vest. It doesn't matter. They do things that make me think, how did that? How did they pull that off? So I can respect them in that degree. I have such little respect for anything Tennessee does that doesn't have the name Pat Summit or Peyton Manning on it that I can't even begin to describe to you how little I care about them. You mean you're uh, not prideful of Arian Foster? No. <laughs> no. I'm prideful of when he fumbled outside. I think it was him that fumbled out of the back of the end zone in whatever that was, 2005, 2006. Freddie Roach hit him around the 10, and he fumbled out of the back of the end zone, and Alabama won the game. I'm proud of that. He did great for us then. I hate Rocky Top. It's one of my least favorite songs in the world. When I was in elementary school, we had, like, you know, they get all the little kids in the gym, and they do their little, you know, plays and whatnot, and all the parents come. One year, the song at the end was Rocky Top. Every All the, all the kids were going to stand up and sing Rocky Top. And uh, my dad said, you don't have to sing that if you don't want to. That's awesome. <laughs> and I, I walked into the gym that day, and it was the rehearsal. And everybody stood up and started singing Rocky Top, and I just stayed seated. And my teacher said, stand up. And you I said, no. You didn't even stand. I'm not. No, why would I? Why would I? You didn't but even stand I, there with your mouth closed. You you nope. defiantly stayed on the ground. That's it respect. Was, I'm only respecting you right now. I was, I was, well, I was short enough even at that time to the point where it didn't matter because even when I'm standing, there's still like a gap in the heads. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I sat down and my teacher called my parents after our rehearsal and said, Patrick's not singing this song. And my dad said, yeah, why should he? And was dead serious. I didn't sing it. I didn't sing it. The, the, the thing happened. I sang all the other songs. We did the little plays and whatnot. I, I'm sorry. But sorry, that's we went off on a tangent. You were a, I don't like, you were a martyr for Alabama football. I don't like Tennessee. It takes a lot for me to be objective in this week. But this is a podcast, and I need to be a professional. I've been super I'll help unprofessional. I'll keep you there, Up because this, I don't hate Tennessee the way you do. To this point, but it's, it's really, really hard for me to talk good about them. So I'm going to get it all out right now. Had a full head of steam going into the season. They've had a couple of tough losses where they sort of just volunteered it at the end. Uh, <laughs> the Oklahoma game had some bad calls. Um, they're sponsored by Nike, so that's cool. Uh, I really like the rebranding process they've done. Well, I'll tell you this: my wife's a grandparents, my it. wife's that's grandparents a, are Tennessee fans, thing. and they're Saints. So, I, I, hey, I know some great Tennessee fans. There's a lot of respect know, in our in, in, in the Brickman awesome, household for Tennessee awesome because of those two people. So, if nothing else, that's why I feel a little. Yeah. Watching her grandfather watch Tennessee is is one of the most joyous things in the world. So that is why I can keep my hatred at bay. And think of them. Have, as, and plus, they, they have haven't been good since I've been too, an man. Alabama fan. So it's kind of like, oh, Tennessee, right. <laughs> you guys are talking about football. That's cute. Right. Well, I mean, the thing, the thing for me is like, you know, I I will say a couple more nice things because I feel bad. But their fans are extremely, extremely passionate and loyal to their team. Good times and bad, they're there. I'm not saying Alabama's not. I'm saying that Alabama has a large chunk of fans. That if we turn in a seven-win season or a six-win season, They're whenever gone. that day comes, they gone. <laughs> They're Bye-bye. gone. Bye-bye.
let's go cheer on Florida Well, because it's because they used to be you know? Florida fans, and before that, they really liked uh, USC, so. Exactly, exactly. So it's just, it's it's time and time again. You won't really get that with Tennessee. Good or bad, their fans, I mean, it, it's kind of a joke between me and a buddy of mine, but every time Tennessee loses that Sunday, I inevitably get a text from him that says, still love my balls, because that's what, <laughs> That's what everybody puts on Facebook that I went to high school with and that he went to high school with. He went to the same high school as I did. Uh, you know, but it's just it's it's really, really hard. Let's get into the football let's because I'm not, not going to get into it. Let's let's talk about this. So um, Dobbs, their quarterback. Yeah, Josh tell Dobbs. us how they match up. Tell us how we he, match up against Tennessee. He's a speedy quarterback. He gave us a lot of trouble in the second half last year. If you'll remember, that game was already pretty much out of hand. Amari kind of went off that game. Yeah. Um, uh, similarly to how Julio Jones went off in 2010 with a broken hand in Knoxville. Both wide receivers played well in Knoxville. Um, I, I, You know, I, I don't see a lot from their offensive line. They don't give him a lot of time in the pocket when he does decide to throw. He's very elusive. And that's the thing that sort of uh, not really worries me, but I think that Alabama really needs to focus on. Um, Alabama does not need to get down in this game early, and it does not. They do not need to have turnovers. Those are the two major things that cannot happen for Alabama to win this game. If they maintain possession, and I'm not even saying that they've got to play great, if they just make it down the field and put up some, you know, 17. I don't think Tennessee scores more than 20 one points against Alabama this week. I'd be shocked uh, if they scored that many. Yeah, and, and that's what I was about to say. is That's giving them a lot. Now, they can throw out some trick plays, maybe a fake punt or a fake field goal or something and get a touchdown that way. But with the way that this defense is, Patrick, I just don't see Tennessee's sort of lacking offensive line covering this front seven very well and picking up the blitzes very well. And I don't see Dobbs making the passes he needs to make against guys like Eddie Jackson, Cyrus Jones, Minka Fitzpatrick, Marlon Humphrey. I just I don't see it happening. Uh, I see Jake Coker sort of having a field day with this one. People have really been criticizing this week his play at home this season. Yeah. I texted you the other day with a great nickname. I'm going to start calling him Jake Mad Max Coker because he's a ro- <laughs> he's a road warrior, man. He's, the he's road a road dog, warrior. Man. Yeah, I mean he's just he's he's a beast. So. Mad Max getting in there. I think he's going to have a field day. I think Calvin Ridley is going to pick him apart deep. Uh, I don't see uh, Tennessee's run defense is bad. It's bad. Uh, pass defense is pretty good. Um, they're they're similar to A and M in that way. They're they're pretty yes. good against the pass and they struggle against the run. I have a right. question. Um, What's I'm going to go on a little thing here. I don't. Okay, so like I've said before. I've been watching and covering and following Alabama heavily since I went to college there. I, I was, about 2009 is about when I started. It sounds very bandwagon of me, but that's when I graduated So, and then went to Alabama. So, you know, I can't really help that. I knew about Alabama as a kid because, again, I'm from Dothan, so I live in an area that cares a lot about Alabama. But since 2010, really, because 2009 – there was a group, we played them, they played great against us. But since about 2010, which is when I got on campus, I have never taken Tennessee versus Alabama seriously. Every year it comes up and people talk about it. They say Tennessee hate week, people make the posts. But I feel like it's been almost a formality for six years now. It's like, 
I don't know. Do do they look at this game do the, and the team, not the fans, the team? Do they get pumped and just bring us their or want to bring us their? I mean, I know they want to, but do they really just beat themselves up when they lose to us? You know, because LSU always plays us very close, regardless of who's better. And Auburn, with the exception of those two years, those two last Chiswick years, plays us very close and plays us well and comes to play against us. But Tennessee, the games always go, and I feel like it's going to be the same way this weekend, knock on wood. They always go, the game kind of starts, Alabama scores a couple touchdowns, they go up 17 points, Tennessee will score a touchdown, Alabama will score another touchdown, and it just kind of does that until Alabama wins up, ends up winning 34-13, 34-17. And it's just yeah. that way every – it seems that way. And I'm just – well, this is you, the way you, I've seen it because, like – I've only been following Alabama closely again for five, six years, and this is what happens every year. So everybody's talking Tennessee, Tennessee. And I looked, of course, they were supposed to be on the upswing this year, and that's proven untrue. But I just am having a hard time really wanting to just get – of course, I love every weekend, but just this isn't LSU to me. This isn't Auburn to me. This is like Ole Miss to me. This is like Mississippi State. Like, ah, we're going to go play them. Cool. Yeah. No, and I, I get that. I get that. But if you ask me if they're excited or if they get pumped, I'm, 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 I'm going to sit here and tell you they want to play spoiler at Alabama every year. Uh, this is their biggest rivalry game. But this they don't show Auburn. up. They don't. I, that sucks for them, but no, they don't. And I don't and, want this to be the year that they do, but I just – if this is the one that they market well, red for now, real, I would on. think one hold out on of now. the last five years they'd be Patrick, there. Patrick, 2009 was Rocky Block. I they said were, five. I'm going back to 2010. I know. No, no, no. I know. But if you're asking me, do they care and is this a big game to them and do they compete? 2009, that team was so astronomically – I mean, you know. I don't have to tell you. That team was so astronomically better uh, talent-wise and even team chemistry-wise than Tennessee was. And they were – you know, Terrence Cody's arms and then Julio Jones behind him. And then I think Kareem Jackson came off the end and probably had a good chance blocking it too. I mean, there's a lot of guys who could have blocked it. But anyway, if nobody blocks that ball and it does end up going through the uprights, which it probably wouldn't had it gotten all the way through anyway, but had it gotten through the uprights, that's probably the biggest upset. I would put it top five biggest upsets in Alabama's history. Uh, just because of how astronomically worse that Tennessee team was. But you're just helping to prove my point. We have to go back to 2009 for the last year that Tennessee really just came and gave Alabama a headache right. and for I'm the not, game I'm that you saying... just said that they circle red on their calendar. I don't see it. And, you know, <laughs> that makes me really happy that you don't see it. But I'm just I'm, – I'm telling you, I guarantee you this is a big game for them. This is not one that they take lightly. This is not a week where they just say, oh, you know, I, I, I doubt that they have confidence that they can win. I know, uh, and I work, with, I, I work get... with three Tennessee fans, and they do the thing, and they say, we're coming for y'all this year, and I just kind of go, <laughs> okay, you sure? Y'all and better they watch just kind of back down, as opposed Everybody... to, like, my Florida fans. Yeah. Everyone, everyone else is just like, I don't know, I don't know. Every, dude, every year, let's get on the line train, Lane gets fired. Oh, it's time for the Dooley truck. Hop on the Dooley truck. <laughs> Dooley gets fired. I mean, it's it's every year. It's constant. This is our year. I mean, it, seriously, growing up in Tennessee, you listen to these talk radio shows, and it's, you know, my, my brother and I joke about it all the time, but we listen to these talk radio shows, and they're like, 
you know, hey, I'm not saying that Tennessee's a national championship contender, but the SEC East is having a down year. We get Florida at home. We get Georgia on the road, but that's okay. Georgia's kind of having a down year. Mark Rick might move out. You know, uh, if our offense gets going, you know, a couple bounces here and there in uh, the Alabama game, and, boys, we're looking at an SEC East title and going to the SEC championship in Atlanta. And it's like they take it to such astronomical means where it's like you are going from saying we're going to be a little bit better this year to we might make the college football playoff. There's no in-between for them. There's no this is a rebuilding year. We're building up. And you know what's sad, Patrick, is their recruiting classes are good. They've been been really good good the last couple years. And, okay, I I don't want to come across as as this – uh, stuck up. I mean, I, I root for Alabama. How fortunate can someone be? That's great. But I do also know what it's like to root for a, a mediocre team, teams that go into rebuilding years. Today, yeah, saying that I your mean, college football team going through a rebuilding year is so hard because I rooted for FSC when the early and to mid to late even 2000s, and I, I'm, an, I'm a Miami Dolphins fan, so I know what it's like to go into a season and, and think, you know, you always have that hope, but – so I don't want to come across as somebody that doesn't understand what it's like to root for a mediocre team. I do. Yeah. I do. We haven't even talked football yet about this game. We're just – it's Tennessee hate week, so this is the kind of stuff I guess you well, have to I'm talk sorry, about. Well, I'm sorry, but – I'm sorry, Patrick, but what do you want us to talk about, genuinely? I because, agree with and you. And I'm not, I'm not mad at you. There's just nothing to talk about. Well, look at the docket. Look how look how kind of blank that docket is. What do we want to see? Players to it's, watch. <laughs> it's just – I told you, Josh Dobbs is good. He's elusive in the pocket. Their offensive line has been shady this year. Their run game has been uh, stagnant. Their receivers are great. Their defensive backs are good. Their front seven is okay. Do we want to go into score predictions then? Do we want to just move into that? Like, it's the next thing up. Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, and I, I really – I hate this because right now I'm thinking to myself – I mean, I know there's no – none of my Tennessee fan friends are going to listen to this, but on the off chance they do, they'll never talk to me again. I, I genuinely don't consider this game even remotely a threat, and I hate being like that because if if it happens, if they I'm superstitious. Them, I'm superstitious, so I won't let you say I may, that. I may not do episode nine. I may just skip episode nine completely. I'll handle it. But I don't think that that's even a possibility. And, you know, people will tell me, and people, like you just said, every year, Tennessee's a trap game. Tennessee's a trap game. It's a freaking rivalry game, okay? It's not a trap. There's no trap games in rivalries, in my opinion. So I'll, I'll get off my soapbox. Give me your score, score prediction. prediction. Give me your uh, score prediction. I told you this stat last week. There's only been one game that Alabama hasn't scored 30 or more points, and that was Arkansas. They scored 27. I'm going Alabama 42, Tennessee 14. Okay, well, you and I both have Tennessee scoring the same amount of points. I'm going to give them 14. I think I'm going to give the score that I think has been the final score to every single Alabama game dating back to 2010. It's been like 34-14 every year. I'm going to go 34-14. Okay. I think because we always do can tend we, to step unless our defense is scoring touchdowns. Can we please stop talking about them now? Can we just move on? Well, cool. Because I really am excited about the next topic. They're just I done I, my research uh, on this one. Okay, I talked nicely about Tennessee as much as I can. I'm really just hating myself right now. Okay, uh, the polls, Patrick, AP poll. What is going on, man? 13 undefeated teams. Yeah, 13. 13. And you, At this point you've in got, the season. You've got your Houstons and your Toledos and everybody else kind of sprinkled in there that honestly may make like a late break and you're like, oh, they might get in the playoff. But are they really? No, probably not. 
But let's talk about some of these teams that are going to knock each other out. Ohio yeah. State plays Michigan State, and they play Michigan. They've got to play those games back-to-back. I don't see Ohio State winning both of those games. And regardless, one of those teams get knocked out. Baylor plays TCU. I'm probably going to take Baylor in that game. Uh, given what happened last year, all the animosity that's been the back and forth. Um, Patrick, what do you see between the Clemson FSU game? Well, yeah, so when I was looking at the, the undefeated teams, and we were talking about Ohio State, Baylor, Utah, TCU, Clemson, LSU, Michigan State, Florida State, and then, uh, like you said, we got Iowa and a couple of the teams sprinkled in, Memphis and Toledo and Utah, Houston down toward the bottom. So I was looking at who plays who, and – you just mentioned Ohio State, Michigan State, Baylor, TCU. You got F- Clemson, FSU, which I picked Clemson, and I still put Clemson in my Final Four right now. Wow. And then you got LSU that could potentially lose to us if LSU wins out. Obviously, they're win, they're in. Um, right. So I was looking at it, and I think that the Memphis and the Iowas and the Houston's and the Temples they're going to work themselves out. I don't see yeah. any of those teams being undefeated. Sure. So provided that the games we just mentioned. Uh, one team has to win each one, and none of those teams lose because we just we just named three games, Ohio State, Michigan State, Baylor, TCU, and Clemson, FSU. So that's six teams. Three of them have to lose at least, and if the other three go undefeated the rest of the way, that's one, two, three right there. The right. wild card here is Utah. Utah doesn't play another undefeated team that they're going to knock out. Um, their toughest – game might be someone like Stanford in the back the Pac-12 championship. Uh hold on, hold on now. Uh Utah USC is this weekend USC opened up as a favorite today, which is weird. And I very disrespectful to Utah, but I, you know how this I, works. I, I Vegas I, I Vegas just, is, I, looks at more than wins and losses. They Patrick, want a 50% line. Look at the Utah game against a, a California team that was okay. Look at Don't their get me game. wrong. I picked Utah to lose last week and they almost did. I picked them I to mean, lose. Look at them, man. They're just they're 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 fine. They're okay. But for the sake I, of discussion, you got to Okay, so say Utah does go undefeated for the sake of discussion here. And the other 3 teams do too. And this sure. is what I wanted us to kind of talk about. And Alabama wins out. So they're a one-loss SEC team. I think the other 3 teams would be in no matter what. Um would you would Alabama be able to get in over that kind of Utah? I don't know that it would happen. So we need if to... I, if I'm a college football playoff voter, a committee member, and I see an undefeated uh, wow, undefeated Utah team that went through the Pac-12, they have to be in. They have I how do you how do you You can't go undefeated out? in a Power 5 and not be in. So okay, I agree. but it's also hard to imagine a world where a one-loss SEC team isn't in. So it's just I th- I think that they're going to be less than than four undefeated teams. I think there will be one or two undefeated teams by the end of the I year. Think, I think there's the a lot of football are going to beat them this weekend. But we I, need I to don't... look at the outlook of what could potentially happen, and I, that could potentially right. happen. I Well, and I, you know what? I'll take that back. I might take Utah this weekend because I just – I don't know. With everything that's going on at USC, it's it's just weird. And they it's, just it's lost just a weird They just situation. lost a pretty rough game to, in a rivalry game that took a lot out. They lost that a rivalry was a good game. game. That was a great game. Um that game is going to be close. I don't know. I just I don't see Utah really panning out. I don't. Uh, I really don't believe in them. But for this, you know, who but knows? I yeah no, it's a it's a great argument to have. They don't have know? many hard games left on their schedule. USC, Oregon State, uh, Washington, Arizona, UCLA. I think is the next team that could beat them, and then the conference championship, which is probably against. Do they play a conference championship? 
Or are they the yeah, conference? Yeah, they do. Stanford? They do. They yeah. do. Okay. It's looking like it'll most likely Probably. be Stanford, who's been Probably playing well Stanford. since Northwestern right. game. Right. I don't know, but you look at their quote-unquote marquee wins. You know, and I get that if they go undefeated and everything, but a one-loss Utah team, let's say they lose somewhere down the road. Well, we're in over would, a one-loss Utah team. That would – well, sure, but that would plummet their college football ranking. Like, their marquee win was a 62-20 to 20 victory over an Oregon. Now, that was on the road. That's impressive. But an Oregon team that's what? They're 3-3. 4-3 three three. Three this season? 4-3-3? Three. Three three? Yeah, something like that. I mean, it's just – I don't know. I, I hate to go all college basketball, but it's just – eh. Eh. Now, if you but if you ask Hard the guys on excited. ESPN, they're all putting Utah because, like I said last week, everyone's a slave of the moment. And yeah. it's funny. Remember when the first college football playoff poll came out last year, and everybody had both. Ohio, people were talking about Ole Miss and Mississippi State both making it in the in the in the, right. the first four. I mean, it's you can't. You got. I think I'm going to go on a little uh, podcast soapbox here. Um, go for it. I love these, <laughs> and I'm not. I'm not saying that we're top dogs in the podcast world or anything like that. I don't want to brag on us, but I think that the most truth that you can hear comes from the people that put in their work and think about these things analytically on podcasts. And that's not just sports; that's anywhere. Podcasts have some yep. of the the most just. It's uncensored. It's uncensored. There's no political correctness to it. There's no. Uh, there's nobody to to appease. There's no sponsors to make happy you just it's people that love to do it and they put in the passion and the work about it so as somebody removed like i just i feel like on things like fox sports and espn they're just kind of told the segment that's coming up on these things like college football final and they're just like okay and then they just kind of get on the screen and have to give their snap judgment on it because that's what's in front of them but they don't actually go and they don't spend two hours looking into the game three hours looking into the games left on the schedule so with that in mind, I'm not a Utah believer. And I can say, yes, they're number three in the AP poll, and they haven't lost yet. But I don't think it's going to stay that way. There are not going to be yeah. 13 undefeated teams left. There's not even going to be five. Yeah. So. No, that's I, – I agree with you. I agree with you. Uh, people listening right now, I, I really, really encourage you not to read too much into the rankings until Alabama plays Charleston Southern. I mean, just don't. Just don't, because a lot of these teams are going to weed themselves out, weed each other out. They're going to lose to. I mean, it could be us. It could be us. It, we it could lose. be Easily. Utah. We it could, could be Ohio games. State. Look at Ohio State. They're still having quarterback trouble, and I, I, I tweeted about it today. They're talking about JT Barrett versus Cardale Jones this weekend, and and Urban Meyer's like, oh, I'm not going to say who I'm going to start. Who the hell cares? You're playing Rutgers. Put make put them both in. Put Braxton Miller back in. Kid's a hell of an athlete, by the way. He doesn't get enough press. <laughs> no, I think he could be starting. I still think they'd still be undefeated if he was starting quarterback. So yeah. the first poll comes out Tuesday, and I just want to say that don't overreact. Not this Tuesday, but exactly. uh, a week from Tuesday. Right. So a week from don't read tomorrow, too much into it. Because remember last year, everyone had Mississippi State in. Everyone had Ole, both Ole Miss and Mississippi State stayed in just because of where they were ranked. Don't yep. overreact. That's yeah. all I'm saying. I agree. I agree completely. All right, let's – Let's get into some hot takes. Ah. You and I are we. You and I are bakers right now, man. We got hot takes. All right. Uh, LSU beats Florida. Florida obviously losing their uh, steroid quarterback. That sucks. Will Greer being out, and uh, you know he had really been sort of the glue holding that offense together, and I think that kind of showed on Saturday. And yet they still only lost by a fake field goal. 
We're going to talk about LSU a bunch in a couple weeks, but that game was really telling for me. Leonard Fournette is a beast. He's a force to be reckoned with, but unfortunately for him, Alabama's run defense is great. Uh, I'm still impressed with LSU. I'm still nervous about the LSU game, but I'm also excited about it because I think it's going to be another great chapter in that book. Uh, You know, they're exciting to watch. They're fun to watch. Um, Their quarterback's getting a lot more confidence, and that kind of scares me, to be honest. Brandon Harris leads the SEC in quarterback efficiency. Brendan Harris is a great quarterback. But then again, I think Jake Coker's getting up there. Mm, Great. I wouldn't say great yet. Anyway. I I didn't say he was there. I said he was getting there. Right? I that's what I said. I you know, he's not great. Is he good? I'd say he's good right now. Sure. I'll put him in good. He, he made some very he, impressive plays in that game. He's struggling. The kid's got heart, man. The kid's got heart and he, he's he's looking more confident. I would hate to be playing Jake Coker on Saturday or the rest of the season. Uh but sorry, these were supposed to be hot takes. LSU beats Florida. Uh, in a very LSU way, fake field goal. You know, <laughs> I don't know when Florida's going to start guessing when that's going to happen because I feel like every year that happens. Every but year, man. I think Florida bounces back big uh, for the rest of the season and plays really well the rest of the season. Um, and, you know, that SEC East is still wide open. Patrick, what did you think about Ole Miss's loss to Memphis? <laughs> I mean, I was, we were watching this game before the Alabama game came on, and it was, sure, Memphis is undefeated, and their quarterback looked awesome. But, like... I don't know. I was mad. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I was angry because I was frustrated. People too. were, I mean, that was our, okay. I don't, I still don't think this is going to matter too much uh, as far as our national perception, but that was our quality loss. If we were going to have Ole Miss lose, it needed to be in the conference because we do need them to lose again. So we can uh, get that's, rid of that. That's tie the breaker. crazy thing to me. If Alabama and Ole Miss went out, Ole Miss is still going is to the SEC still in. That's how much a fluky loss can hurt you, um, and this is kind of what we got into when I was talking about that radio call. I called into uh, the Jody Mack show. He does weekends on CBS Sports. I hear him a lot here, and he'll fill in every now and then on the week, and he does things outside of CBS Sports too. Um, but I called him. He was talking about teams are going to be in, not be in, and so I called in the last 15 minutes of a show, and uh, he hadn't men- mentioned Alabama for the entire three hours because I listened to his, pretty much his whole show on the way back. It's dedication. It's, so I called him before I was on the road. So I called <laughs> in, and I was like, hey, one team you haven't mentioned, Alabama. Um, and then I kind of hung up and wanted to hear his perception on the chances they had. And this is from perception of someone that is in the national media again. So he was going on and on about how, yeah, they could, they could, but he doesn't really consider them a player right now, which I found shocking as I'm looking at all the scenarios as to why we'll be in. So We're a little biased. We're a little biased, but he sees that Ole Miss loss now and sees them losing to Memphis, and he says, well, that's no longer a quality loss, and that loss isn't going off your record. And he was doing a little bit of what I said earlier with just the uh, being a slave to the moment as far yep. as what teams are going to be in because they're undefeated yep. right now, but... You know, yeah. You know. No, I mean it's it sucks, but you know I think he's got a, I think he's got a valid point. Yeah. But at the not same, many people at, are thinking of Alabama right now because at the, the at focus the same is time, on LSU. Patrick, Ole Miss, that's their Super Bowl is beating Alabama. That's their biggest game of the season. I think it's everybody's biggest game of the season. At this that point, the Egg Bowl. Alabama. God bless the Egg Bowl. I I really don't think they consider the Egg Bowl bigger than the Alabama game this year. I genuinely don't. Um, I think they gave us our abs their absolute best game. We had five turnovers. They had one doink off our helmet, and they ran it 60 yards to the house. 
and they still only beat us by what six? And we still haven't gotten over it. <laughs> I, I I still hate it. I still hate it. But I mean, they they just they outplayed us. They outplayed they us that man. game. Like you like you said, it, it doesn't help Alabama. Do I think it hurts them a lot? No, no, because like you said, we live in the moment. I think Saturday's loss looks so much worse for Ole Miss than it does for Alabama on any sort of scale. I think everybody's looking at Alabama as this team that's sort of making the charge back. You know, it's like it's like the Disney movies about sports, like Remember the Titans and stuff, where, like, yeah, they start out pretty good, and then they have that one, like, really bad loss, and the team just fights, and, like, you know, it, it's a Disney fight. So they're like, you didn't come to my birthday party, and then they leave. But, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like it's like this thing of, like, oh, oh it's so down and downtrodden. Yep. Then all of a sudden there's that one game for us, the Georgia game, where everything turns around. And they've got that Disney victory at the end of the season. You and, then know, the rest of the, and then the rest of the games are a montage of, uh, of, of newspaper clippings. Bama beats. Yeah. <laughs> Tennessee decides upbeat, not to show with up. With upbeat music playing in the background, and all of a sudden it's yeah. the morning of the big game, and the movie's almost yeah. over. Yeah, for sure. So I, <laughs> I just I, I, I think Alabama's on the charge. I, I'm fine with Alabama flying under the radar. If that guy doesn't want to look at us as a player right now, go ahead. I don't want your opinion anyway, bud. There's my hot take. There's our hot takes. Those were such quick, quick hitting hot takes, everyone. <laughs> You've got to go to bed. You've got to go to bed. We've 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 got to we've got to start these things earlier. Uh, everyone, thank you so much for listening. Uh, it is super late where we are, both of us, and you work a morning position. That's the worst part is I make you do this so late at night. I wake up at three gotta, in the morning. I'm the morning reporter. You're gonna everyone. be up in four hours. I'm so sorry. Okay. Are we good? Uh, we good. Score prediction. Give it to me one more time, Patrick. Thirty-four what you fourteen. Got? 34-14, I'm going 42-14. I'm hoping it's 100 to nothing, and I hope Tennessee never wins another game. I hate Tennessee. Roll Tide, everybody. One thing real us. quick. One thing real Go quick. Ahead. We're going to get also, we do this every week now. I love this that we're doing this. We're going to get Tori's uh, score prediction out on our Tory's social media. score prediction. PI it's, underscore it's, podcast. That's Twitter. Pat's Interference on Facebook and Pat's Interference.com. Yeah. Look for Tori's score prediction, man. If the game would have ended at the third quarter the other day, she would have been off by one point. One point. Chicks for real, man. The girl is for real. She knows her stuff. Okay. She also called Eddie Jackson at the end of the season, or at the beginning of the season. She said she loves him and he's going to play great. He's played great so far. I don't give her credit for saying that, but whatever. Uh, so look for her score prediction. Like we said, at PI Podcast on Twitter, PI underscore podcast. You can search for us on Facebook at Pat's Interference. That's P A T S Interference. We're on iTunes. We, we love iTunes. It gives us headaches sometimes, but we love it. Uh, if you've been looking for the past couple episodes and you're like, hey, they're not on iTunes, they are now. Go listen to them because I'm an idiot and Patrick's a genius, and we won't get into that. But uh, Patrick's definitely going to be putting them on Something iTunes. Something for a later podcast. Uh, Patsinterference.com. People, I say it every week. We love doing this. We love that you love listening to us. Even if we just get one person to listen a week, even if we get no people to listen during a week, it's a, this is a hobby. We love it. We love doing it. We're going to keep doing it. Be looking out for those bonus podcasts, too. Uh, we're serious about those. Um, we'll keep you posted on everything. Just everybody have a good week. Tennessee hate week. Respect them as much as you can. Uh, <laughs> as much as you can. Just remember what Philip Fulmer looks like in an orange polo. Uh, everybody have a great week. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. Hate Tennessee. Patrick, I'll talk to you later. Everybody, we'll see you soon. Peace out.